So with that said, I want to invite you to get your Bibles out on this first day of 2023, and we're going to be looking at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Vamos a mirar Apocalipsis, capítulo 1, versículos 1 al 3. The reading is going to be from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, but our focus today will really be on all of chapter 1 as we enter into a new series. I'll say more about it as we go. I'll be referring to some other verses from chapter 1. El enfoque de hoy es de todo el capítulo 1 y voy a hacer referencia a otros versículos. I'd like to start off by reading this in English, and then we'll read it in Spanish and go forward from there. Voy a leer primero en inglés y después en español. This is God's word. Let's listen to what it has to say. Escuchemos la palabra de Dios. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Esta es la revelación de Jesucristo que Dios le dio para mostrar a sus siervos lo que sin demora tiene que suceder. Jesucristo envió a su ángel para dar a conocer la revelación a su siervo Juan, quien por su parte da fe de la verdad, escribiendo todo lo que vio a saber la palabra de Dios y el testimonio de Jesucristo. Dichoso el que lee y dichosos los que escuchan las palabras de este mensaje profético y hacen caso de lo que aquí está escrito, porque el tiempo de su cumplimiento está cerca. Well, as is pretty evident when you hear me up here, um, I am a person who speaks two languages. So una persona bilingüe, and that means that I live kind of in a, a bilingual world, which also means that I'm quite used to sending text messages in both English and in Spanish. Envío textos en inglés y en español. Now, I am not a young person. I don't have thumbs that do this thing. I don't know how to text like this. No puedo textear así. So what I do is I dictate my voice into the phone and I dictate texts uh, and it, you know, the phone types out what I've written. Dicto por mi voz y el teléfono escribe lo que está escrito. And that works pretty well unless the phone is set up in the wrong language. Si el teléfono no está en el idioma correcto, hay un problema. So if I speak English into the Spanish keyboard, or Spanish into the English keyboard, the results are sometimes hilarious. Let's just put it that way. Uh, los resultados a veces son muy interesantes si hablo inglés al teclado en español y al revés. So let me give you an example of one I did uh, not too long ago. If I say in Spanish, voy a textear, voy a enviar un recado a ustedes. I'm going to send a message to you all. If I say that in Spanish into the English keyboard, it's, it's not going to come out right. Okay, you want to know what it comes out? This is what it says. If I say, voy a textear un recado a ustedes, it says this. Boy, I am under tail. No, I'm beyond under tail. I will status. <laughs> what? That's what it says. Boy, and, and, and believe me, sometimes it says stuff that's even, yeah, more on the edge than that. Uh, but it's gibberish, right? Son galimatias. It doesn't make sense. Why? 
because I'm speaking in one language and the phone is listening in another language. Yo hablo en un idioma, el teléfono escucha en otro. Why do I bring that up? I bring it up because as we come today to this last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it's, it's often been my thought that there's something similar going on here when we read this book. Hay algo parecido que ocurre con Apocalipsis. I get the sense that the book of Revelation, this ancient part of God's word, is speaking to us in one language, but we, with our modern ears, we're listening in another language. And so often the message gets garbled and confused and we can't hear what it's saying. Este libro antiguo nos habla en un idioma y escuchamos con oídos modernos en otro. And so what happens? Well, my experience has been that many people, uh, many Christians including, avoid the book of Revelation. Why? Because it, it just seems so weird. It seems scary. It seems incomprehensible. Parece algo extraño y espantoso a nosotros. But I want to ask you a question. What if? What if somehow we could adjust our hearing? What if we could adjust not only our ears, what if somehow we could adjust our mental and spiritual keyboard to, in a sense, get more in tune with what this book is trying to tell us? ¿Cómo sería ajustar nuestro teclado espiritual? What would it be like if, if we could somehow learn a little bit more about the language that Revelation is using to communicate with us. ¿Cómo sería aprender el idioma de Apocalipsis? Now, I'm not talking about learning ancient Greek, which is the language that this book was first written in. No se trata de aprender el antiguo griego, el idioma original. No, I'm talking about coming and reading the book of Revelation with fresh eyes. Se trata de leer con ojos nuevos. Beginning today on this New Year's Sunday and running for the next 14 Sundays or so through Easter Sunday, April 9, that's exactly what I would propose that we do, that we would embark on a series of messages where each week we look at one to two chapters of the book of Revelation in order to read it with fresh eyes and to be able to pick up more of what this book is trying to tell us. Espero que podamos, comenzando desde hoy hasta el 9 de abril, el Domingo de la Resurrección, leer este libro uno o dos capítulos cada semana. And, and my hope is that by doing that, we can open up not only our eyes and our ears a bit more, we can open up our minds and our hearts to discover more of what God wants to say to us. Queremos descubrir más de lo que Dios nos quiere decir. So, in order to read Revelation with fresh eyes, believe it or not, I think we need to learn how to read this part of the Bible the way we read every other part of the Bible. Sometimes we get weird when we get to this book, but I think we need to read this part of the Bible like we read every other part of the Bible. Tenemos que leer esta parte como cualquier otra parte. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that we need to be grounded in sound principles of biblical interpretation and biblical study. Tenemos que tener buenos principios de, de estudio bíblico, interpretación. What do I mean by that? Well, let me see if I can share some of those principles with you. First of all, I think we need to get better at paying attention to what the text actually says and what it doesn't say. Many times we put stuff in there that's not there. 
Tenemos que mirar lo que dice y no dice el texto. For example, look at verse 1. Versículo 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Esta es la revelación de Jesucristo. Notice what it says. This is the revelation, singular, of Jesus Christ. Many people mistakenly say that this is the book of revelations. Have you heard that before? Muchos dicen que es el libro de, de, de revelaciones. It's not the book of revelations. It's the book of one revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God has given him to show his servants what's about to take place. Es una sola revelación de Jesucristo que Dios dio a sus siervos para mostrar lo que sin demora tiene que suceder. And so we need to pay attention, and we'll see this as we go along in other places. We want to insert things that aren't there into the text. Let's pay attention to what it says and what it doesn't say. The second principle of biblical interpretation that I think we want to exercise here is we need to also pay attention to the genre or type of scripture that we're looking at. Hay que mirar el género tipo de literatura que es. And so, uh, what kind of literature do we have here? What kind of text is this? We get a clue, I think, in verse 3, versículo 3. It says, blessed is the one who reads the word of this prophecy. Dichoso que lee, dichosos los que escuchen las palabras de este mensaje profético. What is the book of Revelation? It's a book of prophecy. Es un libro de profecía. Now, we need to understand what prophecy is and what prophecy isn't. Hay que comprender lo que es y no es la profecía. Many times I think we have a mistaken notion about prophecy. That prophecy is pure prediction about the future. That prophecy is putting out a timeline with dates on it and pointing at things, and it's all about tomorrow. La profecía pensamos que se trata de predicciones del futuro. But if you look at the Old Testament prophets, and if you look at Revelation, what you see is that prophecy as a, a type of biblical literature, it's really talking about a word from God that speaks to people in their present circumstances, and that word from God then has an impact on the future, it has implications for the future, and it points to the future, but it is more preaching than it is prediction. Es una palabra para el momento actual que señala hacia el futuro. So we need to understand that. Revelation is a book of prophecy. It's the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, it says in verse 2. En la palabra de Dios y el testimonio de Jesús. But what else can we learn about this, about Revelation? There's another clue about what kind of literature, what kind of scripture we have here. In verse 4, versículo 4, it says simply, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That's a letter. Revelation is a book of prophecy that comes in the form of a letter. Dice, yo Juan escribo a, dar a las siete iglesias que están en la provincia de Asia. It's a letter from God's servant, John, the early church leader, and it's written specifically, it says, to seven ancient Christian churches in an area known as Asia Minor. Está escrito, escrita esta carta a siete iglesias de Asia Menor. What's Asia Minor? Well, it's present-day Turkey. And it's a group of, of churches in a region that is quite defined. And if we're going to understand what Revelation is saying, we need to get to know something about what those churches were going through. What were their challenges? What were their difficulties? What were their temptations? 
¿Qué eran las dificultades de estas iglesias? Sus tentaciones y tal. If we don't pay attention to the context of these seven churches to whom this book is originally written, we're going to be on the wrong keyboard. And the message of Revelation will not make sense to us. Si no prestamos atención a lo que dice a las iglesias, no vamos a estar en el teclado apropiado. So Revelation is a letter. It's a book of prophecy. Es una carta, es una profecía. But we also need to recognize that Revelation belongs to a very special category of, of prophecy known by Bible scholars as apocalyptic literature. It's apocalyptic literature. Es un tipo de profecía que es la literatura apocalíptica. What do we mean by that? Well, first of all, we need to understand what we're saying when we say apocalyptic. When I say apocalypse or apocalyptic, what comes to mind? Explosions, earthquakes, Hollywood, cities leveled, right? That's what we think. The apocalypse is coming. No, the apocalypse is not the apocalypse. La apocalipsis no es la apocalipsis. Apocalypse or apocalyptic simply means serving to reveal. Serving to reveal. Apocalyptica quiere decir que sirve para revelar. In the Greek language it says this is the apocalypsis or revelation of Jesus Christ. Es la apocalipsis o revelación de Jesucristo. It is a revelation of what Jesus wants to show us. And so an apocalyptic literature is all about showing us things. Okay? Uh, uh, so this is a record of visions given by God through Jesus to his servant John, which is to reveal something to us of the plan and the purposes and the goals of God from a God's point of view, from a heavenly perspective. Es un record de visiones dadas por Dios para revelar su plan de una perspectiva celestial. It's in a sense opening up the curtain between heaven and earth and giving us a peek behind the curtain of what God is all about, what his plans are. It's revealing it to us. Revelation is not hiding things from us. It's trying to reveal things to us. Apocalipsis no quiere escondernos cosas, quiere mostrarnos cosas. And so we need to understand that this is not about some sort of secret code that we have to crack, uh, whereby, like Nostradamus, we're going to know that 2023 is the year that this thing or that thing's going to happen. That's not the way it's set up. Apocalypse, apocalyptic literature is using symbols, it's using imagery to help us to understand things. And we find apocalyptic literature in other parts of the Bible. It's in the book of Ezekiel, the first chapter. It's in the book of Daniel. It's in the book of uh, the prophet Zechariah. Está en Ezequiel, Daniel y Zacarías también. We find apocalyptic literature there. And even there we can find clues of what Revelation is pointing to. And that brings us to another principle of biblical interpretation that we need to understand. Hay otro principio. If we're going to understand this book, we need to see that often what it says is connected to everything that's come before it. Está conectado con lo que viene antes. There are connections to other parts of the Bible, not only in the New Testament, which talks about Jesus, but in the Old Testament, the years prior to the coming of Christ. Hay conexiones con el Antiguo y Nuevo Testamentos. And again, 
we need to see those connections because they're going to help us to understand more clearly what it's saying. Okay, I'll get to that in just a moment. I'll have an example of that. And then finally, there's one other principle that I want us to keep in mind. Hay otro principio que queremos tener en mente, and it's this. Before we understand that this is God's word for us, we need to recognize that this was first of all God's word to other people. It was God's word to Christians living 2,000 years ago. Esto no solo es la palabra de Dios para nosotros, sino para cristianos de hace dos mil años. And if we're going to, again, get on the right keyboard, we need to be able to hear with their ears. We need to be able to read with their eyes and to understand what they understood. Hay que comprender lo que ellos comprendían. And not only that, uh, it is a mistake for us to think that this book of Revelation was only written for Christians in the year 2023. It's God's special word just for us. No, it was written for Christians a thousand years ago. It was written for Christians 500 years ago. It's written for Christians who are yet to come in the future. Está escrito, escrito Apocalipsis para cristianos hace mil años y en el futuro también. It has to make sense to them too. And God's word does make sense because it is the word of God. So with all of these principles in mind, the question then is, what can we begin to glean here from chapter one of Revelation? What can we learn? ¿Qué podemos aprender aquí? I want to tell you, there's just so much gold to mine here. We're not going to get to the bottom of it. Each week, I am going to be frustrated. I can tell you that. Voy a estar frustrado cada semana. We won't get it all. But there is something I want to point to today. In chapter one of Revelation, at the center, there's a key reality that we dare not miss. Hay una realidad clave en capítulo uno, because that's the key reality, I think, for all of this book. And that key reality is Jesus Christ. Es Jesucristo. This is his revelation. This is his letter. This is his testimony. This is his prophecy. Es su revelación, su carta, su testimonio, su profecía. So we need to keep Jesus in view and not get very far from seeing him. So who is Jesus according to Revelation 1? ¿Quién es Jesús? Well, look at verse 5. It says, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Es el testigo fiel, el primogénito de la resurrección, el soberano de los reyes de la tierra. He's the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. Nos ha amado y nos ha librado por su sangre de nuestros pecados. He is the one who has given us all of this. Nos ha hecho un reino y sacerdocio también. And then if we turn to verse 17, Jesus himself explains who he is. En 17, Jesús mismo dice esto. He says, I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Yo soy el primero y el último, el que vive estuve muerto, pero ahora vivo por los siglos de los siglos y tengo las llaves del infierno y de la muerte. So Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. Yo soy el primero y el último. That connects to something that is said in chapter 1, verse 8. Miren versículo 8. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Yo soy el Alpha y la Omega, dice el Señor Dios, el que es y que era y que ha de venir, el todo poderoso. Who is Jesus first and last? Who is the Lord God Almighty? He's the first and the last. Jesús es primero el último y Dios también. God is the Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the Omega, the last letter. Él es el Alpha y la Omega. And it says that he is the Almighty. Jesus is the Lord God. And he's Almighty. Jesús es el Señor Dios Todopoderoso. That word Almighty here is going to appear in the book of Revelation three or four times. And I want us to take note of it. Why? Because it's special. In the original language of the Bible, the word is pantocrator, which means the one who grasps everything. The one who has everything under his control. Todo poderoso es pantocrator, el que aprieta todo, el que controla todo. Who is Jesus? He is the one who has everything under control. He holds the keys of death and Hades, and he holds the key to everything else we're going to want to understand about yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Es Jesucristo que tiene en su mano todas las cosas. And what is he going to do? What must soon take place, Kevah said? Well, verse 7 tells us. Look, he's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Miren que vienen las nubes y todos lo verán con sus propios ojos, incluso quienes lo traspasaron. Y por él harán lamentación por todos los pueblos de la tierra. Jesus is coming. He's coming on the clouds, it says. That's actually a reference or a connection with Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 in the Old Testament, written centuries before, se conecta con Daniel 7:13. Daniel sees a vision, he says, I looked and, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Vi alguien con aspecto humano que venía entre los, las nubes del cielo, dice Daniel. And he sees this vision of this, this figure like the son of man coming. He's before the throne of God and he's given all the kingdoms of the world. El hijo de hombre recibe todos los reinos del cielo. What's Daniel seeing? He's seeing what Jesus says is going to happen. He's seeing that Jesus is that one who's coming. Jesús es el que viene. And then it says every eye will see him, including the ones who pierced him. Todo ojo lo verá, incluso los que lo traspasaron. That's a reference, it's a connection with the prophet Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10. Con Zacarías 12, 10, es una conexión. And there it says this, they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him. Harán gran lamentación por el que traspasaron como quien hace lamentación por su único hijo. Jesus is the one that they have pierced. And they're going to see him. Every eye is going to see him. Todos lo van a ver. He's coming. He's coming for those that he is making into a kingdom and priests. That is, he's coming for his church and his people. Viene para los que son un sacerdocio y, 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 y son sacerdotes y son reino. And he's also coming for those who reject him. Those who have pierced him and hated him and denied him. Viene para los que lo rechazan. For the ones he comes to save, for the others he comes to judge. Viene para salvar y también para juzgar. 
The message is that Jesus is coming. But you know what? There's another message here too. He's not only the one who is to come, not only the one who came, he is the one who is among these seven churches. Jesús también está entre estas iglesias. If you look at chapter 1 of Revelation verses 12 through 16, I very quickly want to go through this amazing vision. John says uh, that a voice spoke and he saw seven golden lampstands. That represents these seven churches. Vi siete candelabros de oro, las siete iglesias. And then he says, among the lampstands was one like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. That's royalty. That's royal robes. En medio de los candelabros estaba alguien semejante al hijo del hombre vestido en una túnica blanca con una banda de oro a la altura del pecho. So Jesus is coming as a king. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire. Su cabellera lucía blanca como la lana, como la nieve y sus ojos resplandecían como llama de fuego. These are all symbols of purity. Jesus is coming as the king. He's coming in purity. Viene en pureza. Verse 15. He says his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing water. Sus pies parecían bronce o rojo vivo en un horno. Y su voz era tan fuerte como el estruendo en una catarata. Notice what John's saying here. In this apocalyptic literature, he's saying, well, it, it was like that. It was like this. See, apocalyptic literature, because it's giving us that, that view into heaven, it's trying to describe some things for us that are probably way beyond us as human beings, things that are, aren't very accessible to us. And he's trying to, he's trying to say, this is what it's like. Así es. Es como para describirnos esto. And then in verse 16, he says this. In his right hand, he held seven stars, that's the seven churches, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. En su mano derecha tenía siete estrellas, y de su boca salió una aguda espada de dos filos. What's this sword coming out of his mouth? It's the word of God. It's la palabra de Dios. The Bible says many times the word of God is like a double-edged sword. La palabra de Dios es como una espada de dos filos. Why two edges? Well, there's an edge to cut and heal, and there's an edge to cut and judge. Un filo para sanar y un filo para juzgar. And John sees this and he says here that his face was shining like the sun and all its brilliance. Su rostro era como el sol cuando brilla en todo su esplendor. And when he takes in this amazing vision, he can't handle it anymore. He falls down as though dead. El cae como muerto. But Jesus speaks a word to John. That I think is a good word for you and me to take to heart today. Una palabra aquí de Juan que es para nosotros. Jesus simply says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No tengas miedo. If we're going to read Revelation with fresh eyes, I believe we need to keep our focus front and center on the Lord Jesus Christ who has everything in his grasp and not be afraid of what he wants to show us. Tenemos que mantener enfoque a Jesucristo no tener miedo de lo que él quiere mostrarnos. Fear Jesus? Oh yes, fear Jesus. Reverence him. Hay que temer a Jesús. But, but be afraid? 
of what he wants to reveal? No. No tener miedo de lo que él quiere revelarnos. And my hope is that we can do that. We cannot be afraid because you see, Jesus is the faithful witness who wants to reveal to us what we need to know. We don't need to know everything, but we need to know that he's the one that's coming. He wants to reveal it to us so we can be about two things. Jesús es testigo fiel que quiere revelarnos todo por dos pretextos. First of all, he wants to reveal it to us so that we can worship him and worship him alone. That's going to be all through Revelation. You'll see it coming up. Para que lo adoremos y a él solamente. And the second thing is, Jesus, the faithful witness, wants us to be faithful witnesses in this world. He wants us to shine like him in brilliance, to, to be light in the darkness of this world that we're living in. Jesús quiere que seamos testigos fieles, luz en la oscuridad de este mundo. So each week, if you're going to be here with us each week, uh, here's the challenge. I want us to, to work on re reading Revelation with fresh eyes. And next week, I would like to invite you to read uh, prior to the message what we're going to cover. We're going to cover chapters 2 and 3 next week. Vamos a mirar capítulos 2 y 3 la semana que viene. But I want to invite you to read all of the first three chapters because today you didn't get a chance to read it beforehand. Lean los tres capítulos. And as you do, I want to encourage you to maybe start keeping a list of questions. Like, oh, that's interesting. Didn't see that before. What's that all about? Write some questions down. Escriban sus preguntas. And then when you come to worship, here's what I think will happen. You might get some of those questions answered, but I will not promise to answer all those questions in just one message. That's for you to keep seeking and to keep growing. And then finally, as we do this, we need to read not with the idea that we can master Revelation. I don't think we can master this book. I don't think that's the point. The point is for us to read with a posture of humility and openness to discover more of what God wants to show us. Queremos leer con una postura de humildad para descubrir más de lo que Dios nos quiere mostrar. My prayer, my prayer along with what John says here is that we will be blessed. We will be blessed as we read and as we hear and as we begin to take to heart and live out the message of this bark. Queremos ser bendecidos a leer, escuchar y vivir según esta palabra. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. Jesús viene. But you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. This is algo bueno. So let's pray together and give thanks to God. Lord, we thank you this morning for those places in your word that challenge us. I will be the first to confess that I am extremely challenged when I look at all that is in this book. There's no way that I can understand it without the help of your Holy Spirit. Help us to listen well. Help us to handle your word correctly. Ayúdanos a escuchar bien y ayúdanos a, a usar tu palabra de una forma adecuada. Give us humility with one another as we each try to 
understand and make sense of this. We may not all see everything the same, and that's okay. Es posible que no veamos todos la misma cosa. That's an opportunity for us to listen and perhaps to learn something new. So give us courage to not be afraid. Ayúdanos a no tener miedo. Not be afraid of this book. Not be afraid to try and understand. But let us fear you. Let us worship you. Honor you. And most of all, help us to shine for you as we walk through each week of this series. Ayúdanos a adorarte y también brillar y mostrarte al mundo que tanto te necesita. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this part of your word. It's inspired and it is authoritative and it is holy. We receive it and we ask that you'd get us on the right keyboard as much as possible by your spirit. Ayúdanos a estar en el teclado correcto con tu Espíritu Santo. It's in Jesus' holy name, Jesus, that faithful witness that we pray. Amen.